Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Um, I'm going to be beginning a brand new series. Um, I'm going to be talking about, praise the Lord, living the dream. And I'll tell you, it's going to be different than you think. Because <laughs> a lot of people have this uh, stereotyped image of the dream, what the dream is. But God's dream may be a lot different than you think. Praise God. So I'm going to begin today from Psalm 126, and we're going to be talking about the covenant blessing of the Lord. And it says this in Psalm 126, it says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Hallelujah. Now, in the modern English, it says this, when the Lord restored the captives of Zion, we were like those who dream. What it's talking about is when Israel came out of Babylon, they came out of bondage and came back into the promised land. How many of you know that God has brought us out of bondage and he's brought us into freedom? And whenever you read about Zion, Zion prophetically speaks of the nation of Israel, right? It's a mountain hill in Jerusalem where the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so it's speaking physically of Israel, but it's speaking spiritually of the church. Praise God. So Israel rejoiced when God brought them out of bondage and into freedom. And we as believers rejoice when we come out of the bondage of sin and come into the freedom of grace. Amen? So it's talking about a couple of different things. But he says, we were like those who dream. One person said, it sounds too good to be true. Amen. I remember years ago, I was, you know, 21 or two years old. I was out driving the tractor and I was thinking about this, a book I was reading. I was reading a book. It was called The Good Life by T.L. Osborne. And I was reading this book and I was thinking, this is almost too good to be true. And then I heard Andrew Womack come out preaching the next month that the gospel is the almost too good to be true news of what Jesus has already done for you. Amen. There's some things that Jesus has already done for us. We call it the finished work. Jesus said three beautiful words in John 19, verse 30. He said, it is finished. And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for all of your sins. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus took all of your anxiety. When Jesus died on the cross, he took all of your sickness. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of our poverty. And when you begin to understand that, you begin to realize that in place of sin, he gave us righteousness. In place of anxiety, he gave us peace. In place of sickness, he gave us healing and health. And in place of poverty, he gave us prosperity. You begin to realize that this is what he has already done. It is the finished work of the cross. Hallelujah. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about living in the covenant blessing. God wants you to live in the covenant blessing. But if you're going to live in the covenant blessing, you got to get to know Jesus. 
Because Jesus said, I am the door. By me, enter, people enter in, and they go in and out and find pasture. If you're going to experience the good things of God, you've got to get to know Jesus. He went on to say, he said that in John chapter 10. He went on to say, it's the thief that comes for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. When you study that word out in the Greek for more abundantly, it means that God wants you to have a rich, full, extravagant, abundant life. Hallelujah. Some people really struggle when we preach prosperity in this church. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're probably really going to struggle when you get to heaven. Because heaven is not a poor place. Amen? God is not a poor God. And you know what? God wants to forgive you. He wants to heal you. He wants to give you peace, and he wants to bless you. In fact, Acts 3.26 says, God sent Jesus to bless you in turning every one of you from your iniquities. And when you turn from your sin and come into Christ, God wants you to walk in the blessed life. But if you're going to do it, you've got to begin to see what the Word of God says. You've got to begin to see what the Bible says. You see, the Bible actually says this in 3 John 2. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants you to prosper as a believer. God wants you to be healthy as a believer. That is a Bible promise, but it only really happens as your soul prospers. Recently, Barbara was talking to our youngest son, Peter. And she was talking to him about a certain issue that we're having in another area of the family uh, with some, uh, some relatives that are almost his age, just about the same age, and they're living like bones. They're unemployed. They're having challenges with alcohol, nicotine, drugs, and the problem is they don't think right. The problem is they think they're a victim. And you know what? If they would change their thinking, if they would change their believing, they would change their receiving. So the problem is when you begin to argue with the Word of God, when you begin to argue with the truth of God's Word, then you limit God in your own life. And many people have bought from this world a victim mentality instead of having a victor's mentality, which is what the Word of God teaches us. But if you renew your mind, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as you, your soul prospers. And by, as Barbara was sharing some of these challenges with Peter, he just went off. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Everybody in America can be wealthy. Everybody in America can be rich. And I tell you what, I've traveled the world. And I believe everybody in the world can be rich. I believe everybody in the world can prosper, no matter where you're from, no matter what your background is. Do you know, I've traveled to Nepal. Nepal is one of the poorest countries on the planet. People leave Nepal for better conditions in India, and I'm telling you, it's challenging. But I have seen people in Nepal who got a hold of the Word of God and began to believe the promises prosper. And you know what? The Bible, the Word of God will work for you. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter where you came from. Glory to God, it matters what you believe. And you need to begin to believe what God said about you.
Years ago, when we pastored in Kit Carson, we supported a Bible school in Mexico. The Bible school was in Saltillo, Mexico. The man who ran it and his wife, their names were Paul and Dee Blissett. They had a revelation of grace. And Paul and Dee were friends and partners with Andrew Womack. But 12 out of the 13 years that I was in Kit Carson, we traveled to Mexico and I preached for a week in the Bible school. And most times when I went to that Bible school to teach, I would ask Brother Paul, what do you want me to teach? And almost every time if I asked him if God hadn't spoken to me specifically what to teach, he'd say, I want you to teach on prosperity. I want you to teach on provision. I'm like, well, why do you want me to teach on it? He said, because anywhere in the world that people will believe the Bible, they can prosper. And he said, you have a revelation of it, so I'm I want you to teach it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And so thank God, if you begin to believe the promises of the Bible, it doesn't matter where you're from. Praise God. It doesn't matter who your parents were, or your grandparents were, the difficulties, the problems. It matters what you believe. You begin to believe the word of God and you can see what God promised and Jesus paid for. You can see that become a living reality in your life. And so he says, when the Lord turned, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. It seemed too good to be true. I want you to know that Pastor Lawson is living the good life. Amen? And the good life is the life that we have in Christ. And if you want to experience that good life, you need to get to know Jesus. He's the head of the church. He's the Lord of the church. Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep, and he's the door. And you can go in and out through Jesus, and you can find a good, rich, abundant, full, extravagant life. Amen. This is the blessing of the covenant. As we read on down, it says in verse 2, Then our mouth was filled with... Uh, what is this? This is the promise, first of all. Verse 1. What, what is this good life? What is this blessing? It's the promises of redemption. Praise God. Restoration. How many of you are glad that God is in the redemption business? God is in the restoration business. I love what the scripture says in Joel 2.25, talking, uh, talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He says, I will restore to you the years the years. How many of you know that God wants to restore to you, you the years that the enemy has tried to steal and tried to rob? Amen. So we have promises of redemption. We have promises of restoration. And those promises are in Christ. I love Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 that says, In him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Hallelujah. We have redemption in Christ. We have redemption. We have restoration. God wants to restore to you. And when you begin to study the Bible, you'll find out that the Bible is a book of redemption. The Bible begins with man in paradise with God. And the Bible ends with man in paradise with God. Hallelujah. In fact, if you read Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, To him who overcomes will I give to eat of the 
tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I want you to know that paradise is not found in the lifestyles of the rich and the famous. Paradise is found through knowing Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, you are poor. You are poor spiritually. You may have a lot of money, but spiritually you are bankrupt if you don't know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you are rich. Uh, one of my good friends says this. He said, there's only two kinds of believers. Those who are blessed and know it, and those who are blessed and don't know it. You know what? There's a lot of believers and they're blessed. They just don't know it. They really don't know what the Bible says about them. But if you're born again, you're blessed. The Bible says that he blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, talking about redemption. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, what tense is that written in? The past tense. It's what we call the past tense of the gospel. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse. You've already been redeemed from the curse. When did that happen? When he died on the cross, being made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. 1 Peter 2, 24 says this, who is on self bare, past tense, our sin in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That's the past tense of the gospel. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Redemption has already been paid for. God has already paid for your forgiveness. God has already paid for your peace. He's already paid for your healing. And God has already paid for your prosperity. But you've got to believe those things to receive them. Some people just don't believe them and they limit God in their own life by what they believe. Praise God. But I just decided years ago when I heard the gospel preach, when I heard the promises that I would believe them all. If it's in the Bible, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to accept it. Amen. And I know in believing, I can receive. And maybe I haven't received everything that I believe for, but praise God, I've left. Amen. So Christ has already redeemed us. It goes on and says this in verse 14, that, or I like to say, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that they might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The fact is you're already blessed and the heart of the blessing is that you have the Spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you. You begin to understand that you find out you're born again, you're rich. Amen. You're blessed. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 39, 2, that the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. That's when he was being sold on an auction block as a slave. You know, he probably didn't have anything more to his name than a loincloth. And he was a prosperous man and he was prosperous because God was with him. You're not prosperous because of what you have on the outside. You're prosperous because of what you have on the inside. But if you begin to understand what you've received on the inside, you can change that and begin to see what you've received on the inside flow to the outside. 
Watchman Nee said the greatest challenge in all of Christianity is getting what is on the inside of us to the outside of us. You got to renew your mind and you got to begin to believe what the Bible says about you. You got to begin to see what God says about you. So the Bible is a book of redemption. It begins in paradise. It ends in paradise. Whoever overcomes, I'll give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Then you go to Revelation 22 and you read the first five verses. Right in the middle of it, in verse 3, it says, There is no more curse. There's no more curse. There's, praise God. Did you know Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law? But when he comes back, he's going to redeem us from the curse of sin. Every enemy has been put under his feet except that of death, physical death. And he'll put that. He's going to redeem us completely. Do you know, if you read those verses closely, you'll find out we're going back to the throne of God. We're going back to the river of God. And we're going back to the tree of life. Thank God. That's what we call full circle. That's what we call redemption. Amen? Redemption. It's part of the blessing of the covenant. The second thing that we have is we have extreme joy. Everybody say extreme joy. I love this old song. It says, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Yeah, you got to have joy like that. We've got joy that comes from Jesus. The Bible says, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Read this in Psalm 126 and verse 2. He says, then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. We as believers ought to have extreme joy. I love Isaiah 12 in verse 3. It says, therefore with joy shall you draw waters from the well of salvation. We draw, draw, with joy we draw waters from the wells of salvation. Amen. Thank God if you're saved, you ought to notify your face of what's taking place in your spirit. Pastor Lawson. Hallelujah. Lots of times I take life too serious. Amen. And I need to chill out a little bit. Amen. I need to have fun a little bit more, and I'm learning how to do that better and better. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. So notify your face, Pastor Lawson, of what's going on in your spirit. Amen? Glory to God. Therefore, with joy shall you draw waters from the wells of salvation. But not only does joy come from salvation, joy comes from the Spirit of the Lord. You know, in Acts chapter 13 and verse 52, the Bible says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and joy. Now, this is right in the midst of a very challenging and difficult season in Paul's life. He was on a missionary journey, and he'd just come from one town where they ran him out of town. And you know what? It says they wiped the dust off their feet, and they filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. He went into another town in Acts chapter 14 and went there and preached the gospel, preached the grace of God, had miracles, and told them about Jesus, and they ran him out of that town. Praise God. And he got to the next town in Acts chapter 14, and he preached the gospel, and he preached Jesus, and they ran him out of that town and stoned him and left him for death. Now, I'm not a medical doctor, and I'm not a rocket science, but I could tell if somebody's dead. But you know what happened? The disciples gathered around him and they raised him up from the dead. 
And the most amazing thing happened. He got up, and you know what he did? He retraced his steps. He turned around, and he went right back where they just stoned him for preaching the gospel, and he preached it to them again. And then he went right back to the town that they ran him out of before that, and he preached to them again. And then he went right back to the next town. <laughs> he just kept going, and he preached the gospel to them. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas got thrown in prison for, for preaching the gospel. And as they were in prison, they, they, they put them in the worst part. Their hands were in the stocks. And at midnight, they began to sing and praise God. And the Bible says that the prisoners heard them. Now, I don't know about you. You know, the Bible actually says in James chapter 1, verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into different kind of trials. I don't know about you, but I don't know. If I, if I just got beat and thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, if I'd be praising the Lord at midnight. But they were praising the Lord, and they were singing, and they were glorifying God as the prisoner heard them. And God sent an earthquake and opened up the prison. They went and preached the gospel to the prison keeper. Most people thought they would have run off. The prisoner keeper said, hey, you can go. You can be free. They want him and his whole house to the Lord. He said, no, they made this mess. They beat us openly and uncondemned as Romans. We are Roman citizens, and they are wrong. They made this mess. Let them clean it up. Hallelujah. Amen. So then the prisoner wouldn't get in trouble. Praise God. Amen. They just, they just stayed up. They, they had extreme joy. And I believe that God wants to have us be full of the Holy Spirit and full of joy. I believe that we can have joy in the worst circumstances. Because we have a joy that doesn't come from the outside. We have a joy that doesn't come from situations and circumstances. In fact, there's times I went through great difficulties. And as I went through them, that's exactly what I did. I went through them. You say, Pastor, how did you get through them? Years ago, I went through a, a great financial loss. I was in the cattle business. It was in the winter of 2004, 2005. I had about 3,500 head of cattle. I had over $3 million borrowed, and a blizzard came. Listen, I was doing everything I could. I had 2,500 of them in Lamar, Colorado. I, I was binding that storm. I was telling it to stop. I, and you know what? It just kept snowing, and it kept blowing. It was terrible. You know what the Lord told me? The Lord told me, Lawson, don't look at what you lost. Look at what you have. And I went and laid on my couch in the night and I cried out to God and I thank God for every good thing in my life. Years later, people found out that I went through difficulty and some of them were businessmen. They said, Lawson, we knew you at that season. We knew you at that time. We heard you preach almost every day and we never even knew that you had a problem. How could that be? I said, because the Lord told me to look at what I had and not what I lost. Amen? And most of the time, I'll tell you the truth. We, we don't tell you about a lot of the difficulties and the problems that we have until we're already through them, and that test has become a testimony. Amen? And then we rejoice and tell you what Jesus did for us. And you know, in that challenge, I lost about a quarter million dollars, but the Lord spoke to me. Hallelujah said, don't look at what you lost. You look at what you have. And it took me a number of years to get it back, but guess what? I found out the Bible in the book of Proverbs says, if a thief be found, he has to repay seven times. And I started believing God. And guess what? I not only got that back one time, I got it back seven times over. Amen? Because I know who the real thief is. And I never blame God for my problems. 
I never blame God for my difficulties. Praise God. But I look at what he's doing. I look at the good things that he has done. And I believe that we as believers can live a life of joy. And I believe that joy testifies to the world of God's goodness. Amen. The next thing as we read in Psalm 126, verse 3, he says this. So we have redemption. We have extreme joy. He said, the Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. I believe that God wants to make our life a witness to the world. I love what my good friend Mark Hankins says. He said, God wants to bless you so much that he makes your life an advertisement and says, this is how I treat my kids. Amen. It makes our life a witness to the world. I believe that God wants our lives to testify to the world around us of the goodness of Jesus. Hallelujah. I've had that happen. Amen. You know, while we were in Kit Carson, we were starting out. We didn't have a lot. Sometimes I would believe in God for every nickel. I remember one time we drove way out in the country to visit this family. When you're in Kit Carson, you're way out in the country. You're way out in the country. Kit Carson is like 300 people. But I remember we drove out this family to visit. They said, well, it must be nice to be a rich preacher. I thought, man, if they only knew what I was dealing with. Amen. There was another guy. He gave me challenges for years. And he, what, God gave us a house supernaturally. We bought a house at DIA. We were living in low-income housing. And we bought a house when they built DIA and we had it moved. It was a miracle. Praise God. God blessed us. We bought a stick-built, nearly new Six-month-old house for fourteen, no, sixteen thousand five hundred dollars. I went to the auction. I heard about it. Praise God! And uh, I had a contract on a piece of property. You had to put a stick-built house on it. And and so, what happened earlier that week? We were living in low-income housing. Aaron was out in the street. He was playing in his birthday outfit in a mud hole. And Barbara started praying. She said, "God." We need some help, and I got to get a house. We got to get moved into somewhere else. And so, anyway, this guy called on the telephone. His name was Mike Angel, and he was—he called and he said he told Barbara. Now, my office was in a, a tin shed by the railroad track. Praise God! It was Rachel's daddy's tin shed. I mean, I went in there. It had cobwebs. It had dirt all. I swept all the cobwebs out. I cleaned up all the dirt on the floor. It did have a toilet in the back room. They turned on the heat. They, they turned on the toilet. The toilet. They said, you want a phone? I said, no, I got one at the house two blocks away. That's good enough. Praise God. But I had to go over there and pray and study. But while I was praying and studying, Mike Angel called Barbara and he, was, he said, is there anything that you need prayer for? She said, yes, I need a house. And so he prayed for Barbara. Like the next day or two, I found out about an auction in Denver where they were going to be selling houses. There were like 15 or 16 trailers. There was one stick-built house. I went, Barbara wanted a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a dining room, an eat-in dining room, and an attached two-car garage. Guess what that house had? Three bedrooms, two baths, and an attached two-car garage, and a formal dining room. Exactly what she wanted. The builder built it for himself. He had only lived in it six months. Praise God. I went. We were going to pay $20,000. We had a mover that was going to move it to Kit Carson to, for us for, for $7,000. Somebody wanted to move it to Denver, and they had a bid on it. It was going to be $12,500 to move it to Denver, but our builder... <laughs> 
God was going to move it to Kit Carson for $7,000. So I called Barbara that morning and I said, let's agree and let's believe God that we get this house at the auction today. We were going to pay $20,000 for $17,000. When the bidding quit, I won $16,500. I got exactly what we believe for. Amen. You see, some people, they're just not believing God for much, and they're getting exactly what they're believing for. So if you don't like what you're receiving, you might ought to change your believing. Hallelujah. And God blessed us. Amen. Do you know what? When we left there, we sold that house. We got a little feedlot later that God gave us. We sold all that, and we used all that money just to put a down payment on a house here in Colorado Springs when we moved here. When we moved here, we put 50% down. We had to go to six banks before we found a banker that would loan us some money. But we bought a fixer-upper, and God blessed us with that house. I remember the first bank that our realtor took us to. That It was a woman banker, and she sat across that desk, and she said, why, you can't even afford to buy a lot in this school district. It was District 12, <laughs> let alone a house. And you know what? Barbara said, I turned beet red, and I spoke back to her. I said, if I couldn't do it, I wouldn't be here. You say, she said, I, Barbara said, you embarrass me. You know what? I didn't want to embarrass my wife. I didn't do that to him. Do you know why I spoke back to her? Because number one, God had spoken to me and told me that this is what he wanted. Number two, earlier that year, we went to a, a, a pastor's meeting of Andrew Womack's and Cecil and Lisa Paxton were there. And Cecil and Lisa gave us a word. We hadn't told them a thing about it. They said, what, what you have want to do, it's in God's heart and it's good for you and it's good for your family and you need to pursue it. And we knew that meant at that time we were supposed to continue to pursue to be in District 12 and to move to Colorado Springs. Carla Gifford sitting on the front row today. She was in our church with Kit Carson. And Carla, I remember her telling me, you need to move to Kit Car move on to Colorado Springs. I said, why? She said, because God's waiting on you there. Praise God. He's ahead of you. Praise God. And you know, I believe in that. I believe it's better to be a little bit behind God than ahead of God. Because if you get ahead of God, it's hard to see God out there in front of you working. Amen. But God blessed us. And you know, God wants to make your life a witness and a testimony. Let's go to Jeremiah 33. I want to begin reading in verse 6. It says, Behold, I will bring it health and a cure. I will cure them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return. I'm going to restore the nation of Israel. I will build them as at the first. And I will cleanse them from all of their iniquity that they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all of their iniquities whereby they've sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. I will, it will be to me a name and a joy, a praise and honor before all the nations of the earth, which will hear all the good that I do to them. And they will fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure to that. You know what? I believe that is a word of the Lord for Karis Christian Center. I believe that the nations of the world are hearing of the goodness of God. They're hearing of the good things that God does for us. Amen? I had a good friend give me a word years ago. He said, Karis Christian Center is not just a city church. It's not just a state church. It's not just a national church. But this is a world church. 
Do you know what? There is a hardly, a, a week goes by at Karis Christian Center that we don't have people here from Africa and people here from Asia and people here from Europe. Praise God. In our first service, we had people from Europe. In this service, we have people from India. Praise God. Do you know this year, Karis Christian Center is building 12 churches with some of our partners that are partnering with us, 12 churches in India. Recently, I had, I had a, a family that comes here from Denver, and they had family visiting from India, and they brought them down. They come from Parker. They drive down to church, and, and they left. They'd come to early service. They went back to Denver, and they were eating at an Indian restaurant. They said there was a big screen on the wall, and guess what? On this wall, in the big screen, in the Indian restaurant on Sunday, after they left here after for about, about noon, they were live streaming us. Karis Christian Center, and they had me and Aaron on, and they said they had it up loud where everybody could hear it, and they said you could tell that the people were enjoying it. It is amazing. He said the nations of the world are going to hear about the good that I do for him. Yeah. Praise God. You know, just this week, Julie Mapatano came in to visit with me, and Julie's been in this church for about nine years. She came here right after she was here a year. Her husband died, and she had a whole bunch of kids. And, and you know what? I gave her a word and I said, Julie, Jesus is going to take care of you. She's told me a bunch of times then, she's, since then, she said, Pastor, thank you for not babying me. Praise God. But a few years ago, Julie, I think it was four years ago, she told me, I helped her start a ministry. She said, Lawson, the first year we raised $30,000. She said, the second year we raised $40,000. The third year we had $100,000. And she said, last year we had 400,000 come into our ministry. She just returned from Africa. She feeds 2,500 single women and orphans every day of the year. Praise God. Just before the pandemic, Julie needed a new car. And she came to me and I said, Julie, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a gift match with you. Now, she really wanted a Toyota RAV. And so, anyway... Uh, I said, I'm going to do a $5,000 gift match. With that $5,000, we ended up raising $21,000. And I bought her a Toyota RAV. It was almost brand new, never had an accident, with less than 21,000 miles for $21,000. Amen? She came in the other day. Last year, she came in. She said, Pastor, we're building a feeding center. We've run out of room, and we can only feed this many people in our feeding center at a time. We need a bigger one. So they, they're building a new one that can feed like 1,000 or 1,100 people you know, at a time. And she said, I need about 50000 So we did $11,000 gift match with Julie, and we raised $45,000. Praise God. Years ago, we helped her build a church. They're all in the Congo. Praise God. So we've helped people. Just a few weeks ago, we had a missionary uh, send out a, a newsletter. I read it early in the morning. They said, we need $30,000 to buy a missions SUV. I, I emailed them right back. I said, put that I'll gift match the first 5000 Praise God. Well, they've already raised $19,000 with my 5000 Praise God. They're going to be here in two weeks, or at least it's Rachel Griffith. Her husband's name is Willie. They came out of Kenneth Copeland's Eagle Mountain Church and then came to our church for a few years, and then they went to Africa, and they've been in Africa ever since. Praise God, but I'm believing that while she's traveling, they're going to get the whole $30,000. So, so Julie came and she said, Pastor, we need a truck. We're paying $2,000 a month to rent a truck. 
just to do feed these people and do all the things that we, I said, she said, we could buy a truck for 25,000. I said, Julie, I'll do a $5,000 gift match, but I'm pretty committed right now. So just give me a couple months. She said, I'll do it. Praise God. Amen. But we get to do this. The nations of the world will hear of all the goodness and all the prosperity that I procure to it. Thus says the Lord, again there will be heard in this place which you say is desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant, without beast. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride and the voice of those who say, praise the Lord of hosts. Praise the God of the armies of Israel, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever, and of them that will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land. I'm going to bring them back into freedom, is what the Lord says. Praise God. How many of you are glad for the goodness of God? So good things happen when we walk in the covenant and when we believe the covenant promises that God has for us. Number one, he wants to redeem us. Number two, and restore us. Number two, we should live in joy. Number three, he makes us a witness to the world. The fourth thing is this in verse four, it says, turn again our captivity of Lord as the streams in the south. The modern angel says, restore our captives, O Lord, as the streams in Negev. Negev is a desert in the south part of Israel. It's the largest desert in Israel. Now, guess what you have when you have a, 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 a stream in the desert? What you have is you have life and you have refreshing. You know, the Bible says to repent and be converted that when the Lord sends times of refreshing, you may receive it in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. There is a refreshing. I believe that God wants us to be refreshed. I believe that when we're born again, there is a refreshing that comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and verse 14. And he said, whoever drinks of this water shall never thirst again. Praise God. They'll have in them a well springing up. That's talking about you. When you're born again, when you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a well, the Spirit of Christ in you, bringing life to you, bringing health to you, protecting you, helping you. But not you doesn't have to stop there. Amen? It can go on. Jesus went on and said this in John chapter 7, verse 38. He who believes on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of the, what? Living water. It goes on and says, this spoke he of the Holy Spirit that would be poured out. That's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when you're saved, you have a well, like an artesian well, springing up, bringing life to you, protecting you. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have a river flowing out of you. So I remember when I used to te teach children's church. We would teach about salvation, and we'd get a pitcher of water and a glass, and we'd pour water, and we'd say, that's well in you, and we'd have a glass full of water. That's like you got a well. You got the water of life in you. But then we'd take the whole pitcher, and we'd pour it in the cup, and it would run everywhere. We'd say, that's like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You say, what's wrong with you, Pastor Lawson? i just been filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. In fact, I was watching something just a few weeks back, and it was about a a church of God in Christ. Delron Shirley comes here to church, Dr. De and he came out of the church of God in Christ. 
And he wrote in his book about, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And I told Delron, because I went to years ago to Jamaica on a mission trip, and they were singing this song. I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized, got Jesus on my mind, and I got a new life. How many of you got a new life in Christ? Amen. Well, there's, there's salvation, praise God. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there's also new things that break forth through the Holy Spirit. Do you know some of you haven't had new things breaking forth for a long time? You know, years ago, there was a great missionary, and he was from India, and he had a mission. And, and so he got to preach, and he started talking about his Pentecostal denomination. And as he was talking about them, his name was Charles Buntain. As he was talking about them one time, forgive me, he said, but our denomination is like a woman that's on birth control. And it's been a long time since he didn't quite say it like that, <laughs> since they've been given birth to, to new things. And so they called him in to the denominational headquarters, and they said, did you say this? And he said, no. They asked him again, did you say this? How many of you don't, you don't lie to the Holy Ghost? He said, well, I don't know. It was back in the days of a cassette tape player. This is denominational headquarters of the largest Pentecostal denomination in the world. So they played it to him back. They said, what do you say about that? He says, it's amazing what a man will say when he's under the anointing. <laughs> well, that's like too many Christians. It's a long time since they've given birth to anything new. Praise God. When the Holy Spirit is moving, you're going to give birth to some new things. Some of you have been saved and you have been stuck for years. And you need to let the Holy Ghost move. You need to let the Holy Spirit minister, praise God, so God can bring some new things in your life. I love Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. It says, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. It will spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God wants to make a way. I believe God wants to do, do new things. Praise God. The last thing that I have as we read in Psalm chapter 126 is this. It says this in verse 5 and verse 6. It says, they that sow in tears will reap in joy. He that goes forth and weeps brings, bears precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, that's talking about harvest. I believe in the last days there is a great harvest that is going to take place on the earth. In fact, Joel chapter 3 verse 14 says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision before that great and notable day of the Lord shall come. I'm going to tell you the truth, friends. If we don't start winning people to Jesus, if we don't start pe getting people saved, if we don't start getting people to renew their minds in the Word of God and be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not going to win a lot of battles out there politically. Now, I believe that there is grassroots change that's happening in America. I believe that we're going to see the results of that, but it's not going to happen if the church doesn't keep going out and preaching Jesus. And we got to reach out beyond our comfort zone. Kind of like Jesus in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. She was a woman. Most men didn't have a lot of dealing with, with women. So, you know, it was unusual that Jesus would have a conversation with her. 
And so Jesus was speaking to her about salvation and eternal life. And he told her about some difficulties and challenges that she did. As, as, she, as she did that, he, he told her, he said, I want you to go and bring your husband. I want to tell him about this good news. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right. You've been, you've been married five times before now. This marriage deal hadn't really worked out very well. The man you're living with right now is not your husband. She said, how did you know that? It was the Holy Spirit. Did you know it? It was a witness to her. She went back, and she not only got her husband, she told the city. She said, I found the Messiah. I found the Christ. Come and, come and see a man that told me everything that I ever did. When, when she came back, his disciples marveled that she was, Jesus was talking to this woman. They, they said, Lord, you need something to eat. He said, listen, I have meat to eat. John chapter 4, about verse 35, that you not, know not of. He said, lift up your eyes and look on the harvest, for they are white already to harvest. There is a great harvest that's available on the earth. Did you know what? When winter wheat is about, or wheat is about to perish in the field, it's white. I was in Russia years ago, and the fields were white because even though they could grow the wheat, they didn't know how to harvest it. Did you know that they harvest wheat 12 months a year somewhere on the planet? Amen. Jesus said there's already a harvest. So quit talking about the harvest in the future and start looking for the harvest that's available right here, right now. There are people around us that need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the good news of Jesus. They need to hear the good news of being in a covenant with God. And remember this, amen? It's when you come into Christ, when you know Jesus, you're blessed. And what's God wanna do? I'll say it again. God wants to bless you so much that he makes you an advertisement and says, this is how I treat my kids. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.